so much for joining us on the Females in Motorsport podcast today. I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much for having me. How has your weekend been so far? It's been okay. Um, I was working um, in New York, so just got back to Indianapolis late last night, and yesterday was Father's Day, so I didn't get to spend it with my dad, but um, that's okay. I at least got to got to talk to him, but uh, yeah, it's been a good weekend. How about you? Yeah, good. Good for me, too, so far. Wait, I didn't know you were in New York. We could have recorded this in person, because I live in New York. Oh, I didn't know. Well, I was, like, in Monticello, New York, not New York City. Mm-hmm. Have you come to the city before? Uh, yes, only once last year. Um, it was kind of, well, I guess, I mean, unless you count going in and out of the airports, <laughs> but like only spending time in, in New York City last year uh, was my, was my first and only time. Did you like it when you were here? I'm not really a city person, I don't think. Um, it was cool to see, obviously, the history, like all the, you know, the the big tourist attractions to be able to go mm-hmm. and experience that. And I love the Statue of Liberty. Uh, but I think for me, I'm more like, it was nice. I appreciated it, but I, I definitely uh, love more outdoor spaces, I think. I think that's fair. That's fair. I don't think, especially I don't think New York is even for people who like cities because it is a lot. It's, it's just like... <laughs> It's loud all the time. That's just like, it is very convenient. So now I feel like I'm very spoiled to live anywhere else because you can just step out and, you know, I don't really drive. Like, But uh, so I feel like I'm very spoiled for that convenience. So I would find it very hard to live anywhere else. But I do think that if I moved here now, like in my mid to late 20s, I would find it much harder because I moved here when I was 18. So I feel like I was in that zone, you know, young, yeah. but live that life and like you know that american tv show vibe but yeah i'm just like now i'm just like now i'm just spoiled and i can't live anywhere else well so you think you'll stay there for a while i think so i mean i don't know i just can't imagine living anywhere else at this point at least at least not not for the next few years but you know you never know you never know never know where it'll take you i guess right exactly so i like to start every podcast with just kind of understanding you know how you discovered your love for racing and how you just fell into the world of motorsport okay um so mine i was pretty much born um into motorsports i had a father who used to race motocross and supercross professionally Mm -hmm. and he and my mother didn't want us racing motorcycles so we got into karting uh because my dad of course after he retired he found karting as a, as a fun thing to do, um, to keep doing something in motorsports. And, um, I, like I was, my parents also used to host supercross events. And so one of the supercross events in, in May, they, um, were about ready to host the race and I ended up being born that day. So they didn't go to the race. I went to the hospital instead and yeah. Wow. So I've been around it, like just, from the get-go, um, but yeah, had to, my dad obviously knew how motorsports worked from the two-wheel side of things, um, but there was obviously a lot to learn from getting into the, into the, like, the automotive space, so, uh, but it was, it was great to have his support going through that. Yeah, totally, basically, it's just in your DNA. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I think that's, it's very, um, it's a nice wholesome story. I hear this from a lot of drivers and it's like a nice 
way to even bond with your family because it is like a family you know activity almost mm. because you do need like a big support system when you're racing because it is it is so expensive but it's also like you know you're racing then there's like some waiting around for the next round so it's like it's like a chance to bond with your family and it is like a bit of like a family event whereas when you compare motorsport i think to other sports I think so many people actually end up traveling outside the country at a very young age to even get training and things like that. So even if not outside the country, outside the city, because so many there are so many deep pockets for other motorsport. Like I come from India, where in cricket there's very specific cities where there's like big cricket training and stuff. So children often travel to these areas and they don't get to see their family for years. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's such a big contrast to motorsport. where that's not the case and in motorsport it's like actually like almost like a way to bond with your family. Yeah, like if you do a traditional sport, you know, the usually the parents drop the kids off and they like, "Hey, see you after practice," but usually at the, with the track, you know, they they spend more of the day with you or for me, obviously my dad was like my mechanic and so you get to kind of go through the highs and lows for better or worse uh, in yeah. in the racing. Yeah. So I know you are driving in the Porsche Cup this year. I actually saw your race in Miami, which was fantastic. Um and I know that you are working with Kelly Moss, which is absolutely incredible. But I know that before this you were more more so racing in open wheel racing, you in the W series and F4. So I'm curious like how did you adjust from you know open wheel racing to this kind of racing and what was like the biggest difference and the biggest adjustment you had to make so i would say i'd done like random one off like sports car stuff in between the open wheel stuff but this is like obviously first actual full season in a gt car so it's it's awesome because it gives me this time and space to like learn more about gt racing uh but i would say the biggest differences is Career Cup in the US has ABS. So learning to race with ABS um is a little bit different. And then the 992 Cup cars have electric steering. So I would say that's a big difference especially when you're coming from an open wheel standpoint where you have no power steering at all and then let alone having electric that's even lighter, there's so much less feedback that you feel in the wheel. So for me that that is that is kind of a weird difference and you can turn the wheel so much more like you're going flat at like very fast or high speed corner and they're like yeah just add more wheel into it and like in an open wheel car like if you do that like you're 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 gone like so I'm yeah, like, spend, you yeah. do what and so that i think was maybe just like a little bit of a of a a relearning of a of a mental set of what the car can or can't do or what you can do with it um and then managing the weight transfer um more like f- i don't i want to say like more in a more finessed way because obviously with an open wheel car like there's not as much weight transfer there's not as much weight to transfer and with the gt cars like using that weight transfer to kind of manipulate what you can or can't do and especially with like a 911 chassis it, the engines in the back so you there's just like that whole new mm-hmm. element of learning how to use that pendulum of of the rear engine. So, I would say those are probably the biggest changes. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting that yeah, the engines in the back and it oh, I didn't even think of that. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Did you did you notice any similarities that you were not expecting between open wheel racing and GT racing? I mean, the racecraft is like. I mean, racecraft is racecraft. There there was way less draft in the cup cars than I was expecting. There's like almost none, like none at all. Hmm. And I was like, I was actually shocked because I expected there to be more. Um, but the similarity wise, mm, I mean, other than the normal procedures of a race and, and of a race weekend, I guess there wasn't really that much oh, wow. okay. common. Because the way, yeah. I mean, the, the basic principles of how you drive the car is is still the same, but uh, there's not there's not a whole lot that's that's similar. Yeah, you had a really fantastic result in Miami, though, which I was very happy to be able to see, and that was a really exciting race. And I also it was interesting for me because I had never seen like GT racing before. Um, it was it was my first Formula One race too, so it was actually like I had not seen any racing before. Um, so it was interesting for me to see open wheel racing and then you know cup racing and then open wheel again so it was like a nice change for me what i saw as a spectator is that the cars are so much louder than f1 cars and i'm guessing that's because of the pu and the engine but i was not expecting that like you know how they were handing out earplugs to people who had come to watch the race i didn't need them when i was watching the formula one race, uh, <laughs> race going on but i needed them when uh you guys were racing and i was like oh wow that is loud <laughs> I was not expecting that. That was really interesting to me. Yeah, I think, I mean, it depends on the series. Obviously, F1 is pretty focused on being more sustainable and not being as, like, mm -hmm. just being a little less harsh on environment, noise, all those things. Um, I got to say, I love the sound of the Porsche. It is, it is loud, <laughs> but it's not louder. I mean, there's definitely, I consider those quiet compared to some other things, but... <laughs> But it, it is funny that you notice such a difference. That, that is funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wish, like, I mean, obviously now it's not possible, but I wish I had the opportunity to listen to a Formula One car, like pre-hybrid era, because I feel like those would have been really loud as well. Yeah. That would have been interesting to compare to, because I always see those edits on TikTok where people will make videos of like pre-hybrid era and hybrid era, and you can you can see it, but you know, I mean, seeing it in person would have been different. You could so try to go to like a vintage weekend or something like that if anybody has a yeah. car. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that would be really fun. Yeah. So I noticed also in your bio that you also have a degree in mechanical engineering, which I can't help to think that does it give you like a bit of an edge you think in the car Like do you think you kind of understand the workings of the car a little bit more than say your competitors? I think as a driver, being an engineer is not really much of an advantage, but I think being a driver as an engineer is a big advantage. So as a driver, it's more you're you're going based off of feel. Like I can theorize and know how the suspension works all day long, but in real life, in the moment, if I'm not being a driver that's just adapting to whatever I'm feeling, whatever the car needs in that exact moment, it doesn't really matter if I know how a double wishbone suspension works. So, but as an engineer, if you can understand kind of in, and have that internal feeling of this is what a driver is trying to say. This is, you know, this is really what a driver feels performance wise, what we should focus on. That is a big gain, I think. So in some respects, yes, it can help me communicate better with my engineers and understand where they're coming from. 
but I definitely find it more beneficial the the other way around. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Do you think you you would go the other way around at some point? I Yeah, I already have. So I've worked for Nissan and Infiniti. And then I went and I used to work for Renault F1 and suspension composite design. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Moved back to the US um, when I decided I would go full time with W Series again. So I, I work independently as a like out of an LLC. So I'll do like small things here or there. Uh, last year, I worked as a performance engineer in IndyCar for Preda Autosport. So I do some of the engineering stuff, but um, but not not full time, um, like I used to a little bit a few years ago. And I'll probably go back to that um, later on. But right now, the, the focus is the racing. Yes, absolutely. And right now you're racing with Kelly Moss, which is amazing because it is a female-owned team, and I like that it is very, very um, open about that. Like, I think there's a lot of teams where, of course, there's a lot of women who work in engineering and in like the business side and the operation side of things, but teams are not always very forthcoming about that. But Kelly Moss is very much like, yeah, we're owning the space and we're loving it kind of thing. So how has it been for you as one of, you know, the few, as one of like the only female drivers on that grid and working with Kelly Moss? Uh, working with Kelly Moss has been, I mean, amazing. They are, there's a reason that they are, I think, the most successful Porsche team, like, in history. So they are just, I mean, they are excellence, like, put into a race team. So they, they do things so much, like, by the book. They have, they've done it for years. They've built, you know, their procedures, and they have such a great group of people that I've never been in a race team where, I won't even say anything. I'll be like trying to, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to fix something on my helmet or I'm looking for something and I won't even say anything. And all of a sudden there's like at least one or two team members, like either bringing me solutions to what I'm trying to do or like asking if they can help. So that is just like that, how um, intuitive they are and how much they pay attention is just, it's, it's pretty cool to see. And obviously working with, uh, Victoria and Andy, the the owners, seeing how they've kind of tried to take Kelly Moss to the next level, they've expanded it more than it's not just a race team, right? It's they've got they've got a club membership now. It's like KLUB, I like it, and then uh, they've got online racing academy. They've got their build shop where they do all kinds of cool Porsche builds, and they just they're bringing community events in and any way that they can kind of expand the Kelly Moss brand, they're doing it. So. For me, like as a as a young woman, like seeing Victoria as this very successful businesswoman that's you know come up from from nothing and built her way up and learned and and grown, it's really impressive to see like how how she is advancing in the world of business and and continues to kind of iterate that every single year. So it's been a really awesome experience to be a part of their team. I love hearing that. It also sounds like it's such a nice culture to be mm-hmm. a part of where it seems very nice and collaborative. Um, because in most but of course, you know, you are in the driver's seat and when you're on track, you know, it is so much dependent on you and your shoulders. But on the on the back end, it is such a team sport, you know, you really everybody kind of needs to work together to get those results. Um, so 
anytime it can be a more collaborative culture i think that is the key to success and i guess that is why kelly moss has been you know just killing it with his results and um and it's been such a it has been a really nice experience from a spectator as well to be able to see that happening because i think that a lot of people always kind of credit winning and like good results to people who to mostly men who are driving or male oriented teams and things like that um so it is just very refreshing to see a more female identity something some a team that's very open about it or very open about female ownership as well to be able to perform so well because it really helps just push that narrative forward that you know it's just because of women doesn't mean we can't succeed in motorsport because that's you know of course like absolute bullshit so yeah exactly it's um it's, it's yeah. awesome to see what they're doing yeah so coming back to just female drivers specifically obviously we know that funding is a huge problem in motorsport but specifically for female drivers and even female series like very recently we found out that w series is going to go into administration obviously they couldn't continue the last season all the way through which was very very heartbreaking but you know w series happened and then now we have f1 academy so things are definitely moving slowly but surely but i think there obviously has to be more change happening in the world of sponsorships is there any way you think motorsport organizations like like maybe like F1 or Porsche or FIA and just organizations in general can help make that process of sponsorships a little bit easier for women? I mean, they could honestly make it easier for all drivers by making it like every other sport where it's not the athlete's responsibility to bring in the money, it's the team's. But mm-hmm. I don't see them doing that <laughs> as much as I wish they would. Yeah. Uh, so honestly, what they can do now is encourage their continued partners. Because, I mean, every series, every team has corporate partners that they've built years of a relationship with. And so just kind of encouraging those corporate partnerships to also invest in female drivers and bringing more female personnel into the team. That That's honestly where we're going to see the difference is until we can get those big corporations to invest equally, we, we won't see a big change. And there's more women in yep. high up positions in corporations now than there mm-hmm. ever has been. So we kind of need those ladies to be like, hey, we need to invest in some ladies as well. And, mm-hmm. and then we'll really, I think, see bigger things start to change yeah absolutely i also find it interesting because i think when w series came about it was you know athletes didn't have to bring any money on their on their own and i found that very fascinating at the time because i was like that is gonna be something monumental because it is so so hard to bring you know any kind of money because motorsport is not cheap super super expensive and w series then became a support series for f1 so it was just so much opportunity and potential for exposure and i think it definitely gave that exposure and potential as well um but then i think it was interesting with f1 academy that it's not free but it is like a subsidized cost which i find very interesting but now my question is and i don't think we'll get this answer until the first season is over is that let's say you know, the driver F1 Academy, A, what happens with them if they progress to Formula 3? And B, if they do, like, how are they bringing the money? Because with the subsidized cost for F1 Academy, there's a huge jump to F3. Mm -hmm. 
how are you going to help bring those sponsorships? I think that is where I would see the F1 needs to make the most amount of change and the most amount of bring the most amount of sponsorships and stuff like that to be able to help that process. Because to your point, it really, it, it is right now for the athlete and it's like kind of on their shoulders to be able to bring these sponsorships in and that can't be easy. Yeah, it's, um, it definitely isn't something that even if they the team just looked at it from a purely performance perspective, you don't want your athlete worried about the finances of it because when they have that in the back of their mind and they're so stressed about it, it takes performance away from from their ability. So it would be awesome if maybe they they realize that like just small things to try to help take that pressure off our shoulders would be a, a very big hope. Um, mm. But I, I really hope that going forward, obviously, like I, I appreciate what W Series and F1 Academy have tried to do about bringing more attention to women racing, but we need to have investments in women in the main series to continue to because if we're it's purely a numbers game if 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 athlete a and athlete b regardless of gender if athlete a is getting 12 hours of seat time a week and athlete b is getting zero athlete a is always going to be better when when you work out this performance equation so And it's, or even if athlete A is competing against more athletes that are at the same level as athlete A and athlete B is competing against maybe one of athlete A's level and then the rest are not, athlete A is still is going to continue to improve more as well. So you just have to put look at it completely unbiased, ungendered opinion, and it's pretty easy to see what needs to be done, but making that happen is, is a whole other thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's interesting because what I also find interesting is that a lot of people say how F1 Academy and W Series were female-only series and that kind of also may have been counterproductive because, you know, letting them compete with men who may have had different resources and then they have to compete with them at some point in the future. So, you know, you're kind of taking that aspect of competition away as well, that that potential for improvement of competing with male drivers as well, which also is an interesting argument. So there's very different ways of looking at it. And I think you have to kind of be able to provide like all those resources to women. Otherwise it's just, it's just, it's just, you know, it's going to be a much longer journey than we would all like. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So if I were to ask you, where do you see yourself in the next five years? What would you say? So next five years, I mean, the dream would to be in a factory ride in a GTP program, uh, in IMSA, WEC, something like that. I, uh, that would be a, kind of a dream come true for me. Um, obviously, with Porsche right now, I have, a, I have a great relationship, and they are an iconic brand, and I would love to be able to stay within the Porsche family and, and just keep building that success. So that would be, yeah, that would be a dream of mine, um, being able to run – Everybody says Le Mans and Daytona, right? But I really want to run in the 24 hours of the of Nurburgring. So that wow. would be something that I I really want to do um, before before I say goodbye to my racing career. So that uh, yeah, that that's that's the plan. That would be amazing. I can't wait for this to happen. I'm this is gonna happen. I'm feeling it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, before we wrap up, we like to do a little rapid fire. It's 
it's going to be fine. It's nothing crazy. <laughs> it's just like three like random questions. And I try to balance them out like with racing questions versus like non-racing questions. So these are like, again, like a little bit of a balance, um, but it is rapid. So you need to be a little bit quick, um, but it's going to be fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So obviously, F, uh, I'm going to say that again. So obviously motorsport is big into like, it's a big adrenaline rush when you're driving, right? So a lot of drivers actually do a lot of extreme sports on the side, like bungee jumping, skydiving and stuff like that. Is there any extreme sport or activity on your bucket list that you haven't done yet? Ooh, that I haven't done yet. <laughs> I would like to does dog sledding count? I really want to go dog sledding in Alaska and like see the Northern Lights. I think that would be pretty neat. That's so cool. That would be that would be awesome. Yeah, I I would consider this an extreme sport because I would not be able to do that. <laughs> I think it would be so much fun. Or yeah. like learning how to I don't know be like an MMA fighter or something like that. that would be Ooh, okay, that's interesting. That would be fun. Yeah, I would not be able to do that either. <laughs> So that's fair. I would consider them both like yeah, extreme sports. I went karting at Kota the other day. Actually, I was invited to a media oh, event, awesome. and it was so so fun. It was my first time in a car. Oh I also live in New York, so I don't even actually drive. <laughs> so it was just like it felt very interesting. I was like, oh my god, I'm here. I'm holding a steering wheel. Like, what is going to happen? Like, anything could truly happen. Um, you gotta get so you a simulator. You can practice at home. <laughs> yeah um yeah but I will say we were like I think it's 13 or 14 people I was not the worst so yeah, I think that is a win like I think I was like p9 or p10 so I think that is a win that's really good yeah. yeah but it was interesting because I did not expect that with the cards like you know how you were saying about like turning the steering wheel like to me it was like how much can I turn it like I was just like so confused almost I was like am I gonna spin and I did spin like three or four times but it was interesting because I was like oh this can like really go all the way and then the next day my arms were like a little bit sore yeah yeah it is yeah. always so that's, an interesting thing to judge because uh, everything the amount of steering yeah. that you can have is is different every time you drive something. yeah so that's my level of extreme sport basically that sounds fun though <laughs> Koda has a great karting track that's awesome yeah yeah it was really fun um, all right, question number two. Now, I feel like you already answered this, but I'm going to just like say that you can't say mechanical engineering okay. as a part of this answer. Because the question is, if you weren't a race, racing driver, what career would you have pursued? <laughs> okay, so if I can't say engineering and mm -hmm. I can't say racing, um, that is a hard one. I would probably have been oh if i can't any engineering at all no oh, okay <laughs> i mean i guess some engineering is fine. if you're really struggling i'll give you that i would probably be like i don't know if i'd want to be a veterinarian because i would feel sad about putting dogs down but i oh. love dogs and i love animals so i probably like a dog trainer advocate <laughs> there, that would probably be it i love that that's so cute i love 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 dogs They're so i love that do you ha how many dogs do you have i technically don't have any but we have a family dog and he's back in colorado so i, oh, I miss okay. him very much i have a fish but 
doesn't really it's not the satisfy same. <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah. Love my fish, but you know. Yeah. It's not the yeah. same. Yeah. But it's hard to have when know. you're traveling often, so. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it is hard when you're traveling because obviously, especially if you have a big dog, you definitely can't, you know, travel with a dog. Mm-hmm. And even small dogs, I kind of feel bad when you have to put dogs like in the cargo section because if you're traveling internationally, I don't think you can carry dogs with you unless you're on a charter plane. You can't carry dogs with you in your seat sometimes. And putting dogs in cargo just like kind of breaks my heart a little bit. It makes me so so sad. I would buy them a plane ticket and so they could sit next to me probably. Right, exactly. Um, Okay, last question. So obviously because you're a racing driver, you know, you have to be fit and you have to be taking care of your nutrition. But we all have, you know, our guilty pleasures about food. What is your favorite, like, treat meal? I don't like to say treat meal. So what's your favorite treat meal? Well, I love chocolate, and I like breaded things. So chocolate donuts (laughs) are, like, pretty much the epitome of both of those, I think. And then there's this cafe in uh, near Indianapolis, and you'll have, like, a bunch of the drivers go here because it's so freaking good. And they have this, it's Nutella stuffed French toast, it's so good wow. and it that has like a little amazing. raspberry like jam not jam but like puree on it in it it's yeah chocolate and raspberry is the best combination yeah i would i would have to agree <laughs> it is so so good so good yeah oh my Those, god the, i'm now i feel like i want to go get some but yeah <laughs> you should you should do you, do you have a sweet tooth um yeah i would say that's probably the the part that I, like, if you're, you know, everybody has their health weaknesses, I would definitely say that probably sweets are mine. Yeah. Fair enough. Try to resist right. it as much as I can, but yeah. That's okay. Relatable content. <laughs> you um, all right. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me today on the podcast. This is so fun. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Um, I know you have a couple more races coming up. So wishing you all the best of luck. I can't wait to see you hopefully again on the track soon. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, hopefully I get to see you at another race, maybe at Coda. Yeah. We'll see. Yes, absolutely. Before you sign off, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you, maybe on Instagram or anywhere else? Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, it's just my name. It's Sabercook, S-A-B-R-E-C-O-O-K, um, sabercookracing.com. That will probably give you a link to all of my socials. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all the things. <laughs> so that's probably Love the that. easiest way to find everything. Love that. Efficiency. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. And yeah, I can't wait to see you hopefully soon. Maybe I think I will be at Kocha, but yeah, I'll give you posted. Sounds good. We'll have to go karting. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you I don't know if I want to go karting with you, but yeah, we can try. Be fun. Be fun. I think I think it'll really hurt my self-esteem. No. No, it'll be fun.